0: to enjoy being here. Believe it or not, it's wonderful. The uh, time of preparation and time of conversation we always have in our small group is—it's uh, treasured. Being able to stand up here and deliver the good news of God's word to whoever's online, whoever's in the room, uh, I don't take that lightly. And so, uh, today's sermon, you'll see, is called "Calm Down." These are two words that are. Uh, just awful to use as a general rule, right? Nobody really wants to hear it. It's very ineffective if you've ever tried to actually calm somebody down by saying calm down. But I thought it was funny because we're going to be talking about Jesus talking about anxiety, being anxious and worrying, and in many ways getting worked up, being not calm. I don't know, what would be the opposite of calm down? Anxiety up? We don't want to do that. We want to we want to calm down in general, and it doesn't mean we just don't care. It's not about being ambivalent. I think what we'll see here is, if you were here last week, we talked about storing up treasures in heaven rather than treasures on earth, and you can't serve two masters And where your, where your heart is. You know, there's your passion, and that's what you're going to pursue. That, you will go, you'll do the things that you really want to do. And the question is, what do you really want to do? And if things are not going your way and you're not doing it God's way, it's very, very easy to find yourself troubled by the state of things. So let's go ahead and read. We'll be at the tail end of Matthew 6 today. You've got your Bibles. It's 25 to the end. If not, it'll be on the screen. Feel free to uh, read along. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we read that passage, I bet a lot of us feel like uh, it's all true, absolutely true, Uh, but also simultaneously very difficult in some regards. Uh, Lord, I pray that today we, we don't worry about the worries of this world, Lord, that we take this time specifically, we set this aside, Lord. We, we, we pray that you make this time holy in your eyes as we study your word, as we draw close to you, as we learn about your character, your designs for us, and we hear here from your own lips as to how we should combat things like anxiety in our lives. The manner in which we do so, the reason that we do so, uh, and obviously all of this, Lord, is so that we can glorify you more fully. Thank you for this time of study together. It's in your I pray. Amen. All right, so as I mentioned, last week Mike talked about treasures, and treasures and anxiety may seem like two different things um, until you've ever had any treasures. Laying up treasures on earth means worrying about those treasures, period. If any of us have any treasures, I'm not saying like, well, I call my salary my treasure, or my, my house was my treasure. It's just a means to an end in many regards. Then you may not worry about it as much. But if you treasure something, chances are it's going to cause you some worry. Jesus here, we see him pivot to a more general notion of this, of this danger. He said treasures when, when Mike preached last week. Now he's getting down to some specific things we might find ourselves treasuring. Food, drink, clothing, health, things like that. We, we, can, we can put that in a place that it ought not be. And it's simple to get lost in pursuit of this world. So simple. Do not be anxious. All right, have a blessed day. That's it. Let am pray. I mean, I love this passage because this is exact. Therefore, I tell you, do not be <laughs> anxious. All right, so, so Jesus does show us that it's not that simple. If only it were that simple. If we could put one side up there with a truism, like, don't be anxious. Do not sin, right? Uh, worship God. Let's pray and leave. That would probably be adequate. But even here, what we see is Christ doesn't leave it at that. He doesn't say, don't be anxious, okay? Got it? Next issue. It's not that simple. Here he starts with an assertion, therefore I tell you, these, uh, these kinds of cadences are, indica- are indicative of Christ trying to make a strong point. Pay attention, heed my words, listen up. He just finished describing our inability to serve two masters. He just finishes with that. Then he transitions into therefore I tell you. So clearly our anxiety over life is not in service of Christ. If we are worried ourselves sick over the treasures of this world, of anything in this world, that takes time away. That takes focus away from Christ. We can't serve anxiety. We can't serve our, our, our things of this world by worrying about them anyway. But it's an interesting thing that we tend to do so. Clearly this is not new. Christ is addressing this for good reason. This would have been something that a lot of people knew at that time. Well, we know, we got a lot of things. You know, we've got uh, bills to pay and miles to feed and sick cattle and gr- crops that aren't growing and roofs that are leaking and you name it. Kings that are onerous and invasions and all kinds of things. We, I mean, what, what should we do? Just not worry about that? <laughs> yes, don't worry about that. What shouldn't we be anxious about? Life, food and drink, <laughs> our bodies, and our clothing. Now you might say to yourself, as I would, well, I'm not worried about that. I mean, I don't get anxiety about, oh, what am I gonna eat today? That's not really a problem I face. What am I gonna wear? I got a closet full of clothes. Life in our bodies is two different things, right? We do in today's world absolutely worry about our health. We get concerned about it. We covet prayer for that. We lose sleep over bad diagnoses and things like that. The course of our life in general, I didn't get the promotion. I got fired, I got laid off. I got a lousy boss. I don't like this work. I want to, try, I want to do something different. I, I don't know how to control my life, and I'm worried that my life's heading in a direction that I don't like, Thing I'm done to do things I don't like to do. But I'm not worried about food or drink or clothing, so I'm about halfway there. I could ignore this sermon. Do not please. <laughs> if we were to generalize these, think of them like this. Things that happen to you while living life. We're not supposed to worry about that. Come what may, right? We have a lot of phrases for this, say la vie, it is what it is. All right, we got a million things we like to say, and then we turn right around and get back to hand-wringing. Oh, my gosh, but what if? I mean, what if I get four flat tires on the way to church today? I'll be late, and we don't have enough spares, and i got to go AAA, and they'll probably charge me for another Down we go. It hasn't even happened. The second thing, things you need for living life. Right? Food, drink, that's one of them, but think of your necessities, if you will. Number three, health, your body's ability to live life. And lastly, the things you want while living life. Now, clothing, well, I would say, isn't necessarily a want. I think we all would happily agree that we consider that a need. We want, people, we want people to be clothed. They say, man, this church would be smaller yet if I were unclothed. I'm sure of it. So that's not a bad thing. But the kind of clothing I want, the manner in which I dress, and the, the accoutrement, that's something to be concerned about. I don't want to look a certain way. Maybe I don't want people to think I'm a certain kind of person. So I, I need to be dressed in a specific way, and I could be worried about that. Now it's comparison time. These are all valid points. But as Christ is talking about this, he's going to bring in some other things that God's in charge of that they are not worried about. He's, the people that he was talking to then, I, I'd wager the people I'm talking to now, aren't worried about this stuff. Look at the birds. They do not sow, reap, or store, and they're taken care of. Now those three things are pretty critical for, for mankind's survival. <laughs> We plant crops, we harvest them, and we store them so we can use them in a time when the crops aren't available in the fields. This would have been 100% on point with them. It should still be for us today. Now, we want to be careful here, but if God sees through it, the birds make it, why would we fear? And that fear becoming worry does what exactly? Right, that's the question that Christ is really asking. And which of you, this is in uh, verse 627, And which of you by being anxious can I add a single hour to his span of life? Even if you're, you think there might be something you could do about it, either do something or don't. But worrying does nothing. <laughs> worrying does nothing. Worrying is like sh- shouting at the sky and expecting things to change. It's just not going to get the job done. But there's a there's a there's a there's a, a, subtle here, a subtlety here. It might seem tempting to say, well, if the birds don't sow, reap or store, then I oughtn't either. God took care of them. Um. No. (laughs) We shall sow, reap, or store. These are the things we do. We are called to do it. There's tons of biblical precedent for it. It's reasonable. But the birds don't, and God takes care of them. The point being, it's our ability and our capacity to sow, reap, and store is given unto us by God, just like the birds' lack of that capacity is given unto them. What we do, we don't need to be concerned about. What we sow, what we reap, how we store, we do our best. But if it doesn't go as we think it ought to, so be it. We're going to have to figure it out, but worrying about it won't make a difference. How about another comparison? Look at the lilies. They grow into their beauty with no special effort. And Jesus' comparison here, even Solomon on his best day didn't compare to those fields. I like this comparison because if you've ever, I'm not a big nature guy, but I've had my moments in nature where I've seen things that take my breath away. There's no person that I've ever seen. I love my wife dearly. She's the most beautiful woman I've ever seen. But she, there's a vast difference between the majesty and the expanse, the incredibleness of nature versus what any person could ever do to doll themselves up. And this is exactly the point he's making. Solomon was clothed and cloaked in finery that the world has never seen. I mean, he would have looked glorious. But all you got to do is turn around and look at a field of flowers in bloom that goes as far as you can see to the horizon and find yourself awestruck further yet. And ironically, the point here is God makes chaff of tomorrow the stunning beauty of today. You know what happens with all those flowers and all that beauty? It dies, it becomes fuel for the furnace. Which which uh, But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown to the oven, will he not much more clothe you? The beauty of nature, dead and gone, temporal, 100% by design, how much more will he clothe us? Now, we know how this story ends, right? We know how this goes on. And that this is a lot, about a lot more when we talk about the treasures in heaven and kind of living for heaven that we see a real departure from living in this world. That's why these points are so apt. What do I really want to be clothed in? The finery here or the robe of Christ? Ah, now see, when we we transition beyond this, we start to see that, okay, the food, the manna from heaven, eternal life, well, that's sustenance forever. How could I be concerned about this tiny little part of life here? How can I be worried about what comes next here when I know what really comes next? And we see Christ circling back here again. Do not be anxious. In thirty-one, therefore, this goes twenty-five, six twenty-five. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. And in thirty-one, therefore, do not be anxious. Do not be anxious. He's making some points here, saying, "What shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear?" These are worldly problems, and God has them taken care of. Now, you might say, "Well, that's not true. People are starving. People are without clothing." Right? We go out and we pull water to villages as missions. Missions work. Why are we doing that if God has it taken care of? Uh, God's taking care of it through you. <laughs> Thank you for doing so. But God has it taken care of. Us sitting here and worrying about water getting to a village will not bring water to a village. Us going to the village with some pipes and bringing water to the village brings water to the village. Now we could say, well, then I did it. Okay, you could. And it's true. You were there. You were the tool right? But God has done this because God does all of this. He's overseeing all this. And if we are able to communicate that and believe that, the world will be curious how despite adversity and despite lacking in eating and drinking and clothing and this and that and the other, we seem to have this attitude of like, it's, it's, it is seriously going to be okay. I'm not just saying it's going to be okay. It really is going to be okay. God's going to take care of this. I know that it's going to be okay because even if all this comes crashing down, if I full-on get joked, there's eternal life on the other side of this world. That's not going anywhere. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. That's the answer to that question. So what should we do? There it is. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Now make no mistake, this isn't some sort of a quid pro quo, give and take here. God doesn't bless you until you do something in his regard. There is a a very interesting work here, but what we're called to do is very clear. Seek Seek the kingdom of God, seek his righteousness, and this other stuff will be brought along. Whatever that stuff may be, nice clothes, dirty clothes, great food, barely edible stuff, that's God's going to get added to you. But if you're seeking the kingdom of God and His righteousness, those sorts of things take a really, really big backseat. They're very far from your mind. You're just not going to be worried about it anymore. This isn't about earning your food by seeking God. Our ability to seek God at all comes from God to begin with. So what should we do? We must either believe that God is sovereign or that he's not. I mean, this is, the, this is the brass tacks of it. Is God in charge or is he not in charge? If you believe that he is sovereign, then we have to trust him to provide what we need. If we don't, if we really don't believe that God is sovereign, if we think that he's, he's out to lunch temporarily, and he's not aware of what's going on, and this situation is probably outside of his purview and I'm going to need to tackle this, then we will worry ourselves with those concerns. If you want to know what the terminus of worry is, it is always outside of your grasp. Always. It must be. If I can do something, there's no sense in worrying about it, right? I can't prevent a tree from crushing me. I don't have the physical capability to do it. I can't will it away. And if I think about things falling from the sky and crushing me, I can begin to worry about that because I don't have control over it. And why I'm worried about it is because I think there is no control over it. Bad things happen every day. Random, seemingly random events. And What if that happens to me? What do I do to prevent it? The answer is there's nothing you could ever do to prevent something that is random. It's random. But do you trust that God is in charge even over those seemingly random events? Just because we don't understand, do we believe that God is in charge? If we don't, then we're going to end up worrying ourselves with concerns. There is a lot to be worried about. If you just want to look at the world with no perspective of there being a God that is sovereign and on high, that is good and wants good for us. But if you know that truth and you believe that truth, then even the things that the world's saying are horrific and bad and awful, take a different view in our eyes. It is what it is. God is still sovereign. I don't understand it. My heart is broken. I am sad about this thing that happened. But I'm not going to be worrying about it happening again because if it happens again, it's going to happen again. All these things are another step towards eternity. That's what I trust in. I'm going to do the needful. I'm going to be diligent. But as for worrying about the future, I just don't see any sense in it. And that kind of leads us to our, our final bombshell here. I call it a bombshell because uh, I, I love the way Christ says this. The future, it's not our problem. We have to do today's work today and tomorrow we'll do tomorrow's work. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. That last line to me is about the the neatest tie-up for this thing that brings it right back to the reality of the world. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. What does it not say? Here's what it says. Uh, Everything's fine. (laughs) It does not say that. It doesn't say there's there's nothing in the world that's bad or you should ever even be upset about. It says exactly the opposite. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. There will be trouble. There will be trouble every day. Take it a day at a time. There's no need to worry about potential trouble tomorrow. There's enough trouble for today. Church, it's okay to be troubled. It's okay to have troubles. It's okay to acknowledge that troubles are troubling. Christ just says it's sufficient for the day is its own trouble. It's a lousy day. Has anybody ever had a lousy day? I've had a lousy day. Coming home and saying, it was a great day. Everything's fine because God is sovereign. And I'm overjoyed at all the suffering I went through today. That's probably crazy. I'm probably just saying that because I don't want anyone else to feel bad for me. But instead, if I say, today was a terrible day. There was a lot of trouble today. Um, so I pray that this trouble will either go away from me or that I'll get refined very rapidly in it so I don't have to endure it any further. Uh, but man, am I so glad that there's going to be a day when I'll never have to have a day like this again. That is a good response. The world will hear something like that and say, oh, well, you're not pre- that doesn't sound like you're pretending that everything's okay. The world has become experts saying sufficient for the day is its own trouble, but I'm going to opt out of that trouble. I'm just not going to acknowledge it. I'm going to name and claim my own truth. That this isn't bad, but good. I'm not going to say the word of the disease that I've got. These I'm not going to give it a name. Right? That name equals power. All this stuff is born of this notion of I, I can I can will trouble away. I'll just pretend it doesn't exist. It does exist. There in this in this world in this life you will have trouble. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. There is trouble, but we have a God who is bigger. So points to ponder. Anxiety is tough to combat. It is no joke. Anxiety is large in scope. Anxiety is misplaced effort. And thankfully, anxiety is no match for Jesus. So I say it's tough to combat, If it was as easy as not doing it, this passage would be much shorter. He could have just started with that and said, uh, you know, therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. Anyway, let's go. But he doesn't. Anxiety is insidious and sneaky, often often appearing to be prudence. Uh, I can can, uh, comment on this in my own life, that planning is not anxiety. But if you start planning... And you start trying to think of all the possibilities to plan for. All the potentialities. What if this and what if that? Well, I'm not really being worrisome about it. I'm just being very prudent. I'm thinking of all the possibilities. And I'm going to stew on those and try to come up with a good plan for it. And uh, you know in your heart if you are no longer planning but instead are worrying. And I think a lot of times we want to spend time in worry under the guise of prudent planning. And we don't really get anywhere, but we certainly get ourselves worked up and we find ourselves in a very bad mood and dreading the thing that we probably shouldn't be dreading. The really good news is we can leverage our church family in a huge way here. Uh, I mention this a lot because it's a very important part of church community. If you're struggling with anxiety about something, a worry, a concern, this thing is looming, I'm nervous about it, I'm concerned that if it goes the wrong way. These are things that the world is going to put upon us. These are the things we're going to deal with. And it's sometimes very, very difficult to just say, you know what? God's sovereign, whatever. You know? A kid at school doesn't have any clothes, he's in an abusive home. Well, God's sovereign over that too, so I'm not going to worry about it. That's not the worry I'm talking about. If you have some action you could take, that's prudent. Do that. But sitting at home and wringing your hands about the potential of all the kids that are all the different things that could happen. And i got to do something about it, but I'm powerless to do something about it. I'm just going to let this thing turn over in my head and let's get together. We get together at least twice a week, and we want to talk about this. We want to pray about this. We want to meet uh, uh, Mike, Mike, I, Jamie, Leah, more than happy to, to, to meet you somewhere and just talk and pray with you. Read some scripture. Read this passage a few times. Remind ourselves that anxiety is not worth it. It is very, very difficult to fight by yourself. And it's something that is, it's, when I say it's insidious and sneaky, I have experienced this a lot. From My mother was a worrier, and I, I could watch that swell up and then calm down a little bit in her life. And it's, it's a tricky thing where we have to take care of things in the world around us, but we ought not be consumed by that care. It becomes tricky because it's exceptionally large in scope. I think Jesus' examples here cover all the bases of life. That's not a coincidence. This is him describing that we could worry about anything and everything. You name it. You name it, if you give it a little bit of thought, you could probably find a reason to worry about it. We will never be able to remove the objects of our anxiety. This is a fool's errand. Trying to remove the things that you're worried about from your life is impossible to do. We have to live with that. <clears throat> we don't see Christ saying, hey, guess what? Just don't don't have any clothing. Stop eating and drinking. No, you don't have to worry about it. The examples he is using are things that are going to be part of your life. You have to worry about your health. You, are, you have to be concerned about your health. It is, it is something that you have to deal with. I don't mean to say worry. Uh, I'm using worry in a more colloquial term. But you have to be concerned about your health. You have to do needful things. I need to wear clothing. I need to eat food. I need to drink water. I need to be cognizant of my career path and the family that I have to provide for in the world today. There are things that I need to do, but I don't have to worry about them. I can take action. If a concern comes up, make a question. Okay, that seems reasonable. I've got two paths. Let me take some, make a chart, think about it, do what I need to do, talk with my wife, get some people to pray with me. Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to pursue this path. Let's not worry. That's planning and action. But if it's out of what happens next, what if they lay me off? What if I can't find another job? Maybe I need to get my resume together. Now I'm consumed in this place. So there's nothing really for me to do, but I can just sit and spend all day every day. Oh, no, the stock market took a hit. Oh, no, you know what that means. There goes my retirement. You know, I'm going to have to work five more years. I don't know that I am, but I'm probably going to start thinking about that. Well, let me go find another thing and do this, that, and the other. And now I'm stressed out. I've accomplished nothing, and I've got nothing to show for it. We must be intentional in replacing anxiety with trust. The good news is, that's not something we have to do alone. Just like the first point, we have a church family. We have a Holy Spirit. But if you're having trouble getting that locked in and taking these words and putting them into your heart, we want to work together to do that sort of thing. This is the reason we gather and study. If there was no benefit to this, the Bible wouldn't have asked us to do it. It would have said, go into your house, read your Bible, learn it, and and live it. Thank you. But he doesn't. Don't forsake the gathering. We should be doing this because this is part of it. When we get anxious about things and we want to start to replace that with trust, that's very difficult at first. But over time, it does become easier. When you immediately turn to prayer and that prayer begets trust in very short order and you start to think, yep, yeah, this could go really sideways, but, you know, God's still on the throne, and, that, and nothing's going to change that. No matter which one of these things happen, no matter what befalls me, I know that I serve a God who is in absolute control. I trust that what He said is true. Third, anxiety is misplaced effort. Worrying is hard work. If you ever spent any time worrying, it's taxing. And it drains you right down to the core. All the time we spend wringing our hands could be far better spent. So much opportunity to share good news. And we see this getting converted to trust. You know, we, we say things like pray without ceasing and lifestyle witness and all this sort of thing. Things like this are really apt ways to do that. The world's quite familiar with worrying. <laughs> and when you're in a group of people that are in the world doing worldly stuff at your job and your whole team gets laid off or gets moved or your boss is picking on everybody... And you actually have an opportunity to say, oh, no, I understand why you all are concerned. Um, but, you know, I, was, I prayed about that, and it's something that, uh, in some conversation with some, some people at my church, uh, I really feel like, you know, it's going to go where it's going to go, and we just have to figure it out, right? I'm not going to worry about it anymore. I'm just going to have to trust that God's going to see me through this just like he's seen me through so much. Um, and people say, oh, this again, you know. Now, if you say that, and then you go right back to worrying, then... Uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm familiar with that. I read that same book at Barnes and Noble about how to conquer your worry or whatever nonsense. I, you know, but this is this is bigger than that. This isn't about feigning calm. I've mentioned this before. That this sermon, we're not we're not called to do not act anxious about your life. Or said, God, do not be anxious. Why? How can I control my anxiety? I'd wager you can't. This is why we as believers covet the Holy Spirit working in our lives taking little bits of us at a time and putting them away, killing the old man slowly but surely, while well, I am in full admission that I do the things I hate and I hate the things that I do, and I do find myself worrying about things occasionally and fretting over some looming deadline and is it going to be done in time? I'm working so hard. I just don't know if it's going to come together. But every now and again, I take a time, well, hold on a minute, hold on a minute, hold on a minute, hold on a minute, on. I don't want to do this anymore. I'm tired. I want to get off this treadmill. I'm going to do my honest best. That's all I can ever do is my best. Now I'm going to trust that God is going to see me through all the way either into success as I envision or colossal failure as I don't. But he's still God, and I'm just going to do my best. That catches on in the world. Now, the world's going to hate you for it at first. Oh, another faint come. But after two or three or four rounds of this, or other people are pulling their hair out and they're losing sleep and they're turning to drink and drugs and all these things to try to fill this gap because I don't want to deal with the anxiety more. I hate it, uh, but I can't get rid of it, so I'm just going to drown it. They'll start to see that you really don't have time to worry when you're busy about kingdom work. If you see you're putting anxiety away and sharing it with others as an opportunity to share a gospel message, man, they're not a light of fire. This is terrible news. It is terrible news. I can't believe they're doing this, right? Anybody ever been in a meeting like this where somebody said something that nobody else wanted to hear? And everyone starts murmuring, oh, here we go again. Murmur, 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 oh, gosh. Okay, now, sorry, everybody. I know it's not what we all want to do, but we're going to get through this together. We're going to, okay, okay management talk, whatever. And then immediately the conversation starts peer to peer. I can't believe it, man. I just knew it was going to happen. I knew it was going to happen. Well, if you knew it, I wish you'd told me. Well, I didn't know, but I just, yeah, I just, uh... and here we go. The cycle begins. They're dying. They don't know what tomorrow brings. No eternal perspective. This is all they've got. But you've got something better. So you can moment them a little bit. Yeah, this is not ideal. This isn't what we wanted to do, but it's cool. I mean, I'm not going to be to worry about this. I gotta, I've already sent a text off. I've got some people at the church praying for everybody here. Um, you know, and uh, is there anything I could do to help you all? Oh, help us. You're in the same boat. After a second or third or the fourth one of those, people start to be really curious. Now it's not an act. Now you're not just putting on airs, trying to look calm. You really seem to be calm. You don't seem to get stressed out about anything. How do you do that? I don't know. (laughs) Not me, but the spirit within me. I mean, I can tell you some really good news if you'd like to hear it. And things like this give me strength in times like this. The ability to cope to know that i got work to do that transcends any of this nonsense here. And I can't fail at that work because it's not my work to begin with. It's a weird thing how that goes, right? We talked about uh, the tools in the in the, in the workshop and how we can misplace our praise. And even when tools break, do you really blame the tool? I mean, you could say, well, the tool was faulty, but who made the tool? It didn't make itself. Whoever made that tool? Craftsman, DeWalt. But Nikita, they're, def- they're at fault, not the drill. The drill didn't know what it was doing. The drill's just a drill. When we take that kind of approach to our life, that I want to be a tool in the master's hands, and if he decides to hit me until I break and get discard me for another tool, so be it. I did my job to the best of my ability. That's all we could ever do. And when we have that perspective, it really takes away the need to worry. A hammer doesn't worry about its next nail. <laughs> it just doesn't need to. And we know this because uh, anxiety is no match for Jesus. Our sins of anxiety were also paid for. If you're anxious on the drive into church, if you're sitting there anxious right now, you don't know what's going on in my life. That's true. But that sin, that that sin of anxiety of of consuming yourself with worry, losing sleep over this, worrying so much about the things you can't control, that's already been paid for. Jesus paid for that as well. We may feel that we are lost and worry about what comes next, but we must know that our Savior has rescued us from that sin. For those of us that are sitting here today that believe that Jesus Christ is who He said He was, then anything that we are mired down in, the things of tomorrow that may come and mire us down, all of it has been paid for from now until I am off this earth. Now, I don't cling to that sin and let's just double down. He's already paid for it, right? It's free sin. No. But as I stumble and I fall, I don't need to be anxious about me sinning in the future. I need to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And I'll find myself treading away from sin. Will I stumble? Yes. But I'm not going to be anxious about that. I'm not going to worry about what tomorrow brings. I I was involved with Campus Crusade for Christ in college, and there was a young man. He was my age. I say young man, but I was a young man too, but he came and got plugged in and had all these questions and stopped coming one day. And he stopped coming because he didn't experience the life change that he wanted to, but believed in God and now found himself consumed still with the sins of the old man and a belief in a good God and found himself at odds with that. I must just be unsaved. Unsavable. And he walked away. I think about that to this day, because at the time, I, what, do you, what do you that's not true. I mean, come back, learn more. Uh, don't give up, you know But the anxiety of that, the worry, lack of sharing it, it's too much. and he walked away. He did not believe that Jesus had rescued him from even that sin. Don't become that. If you're struggling with sin, then struggle. <laughs> Let us know. We can help, perhaps. We'll certainly do the best that we can. If a little else, we will absolutely be praying for you. But it might be helpful to see a counselor talk about it. If, if, if there's sin that's piling up and the sin of that becomes anxiety, now we're trying to do is fight sin with sin. I'm worried about sin, and now I'm stuck in sin, worrying about my future. Oh, no. You know, I'm getting nowhere fast. Yeah, it's going to feel that way. This is a lot of passages about anxiety, and that's not a happenstance. Christ knows that this is something that is very, very easy because you have to deal with it all the time. You can't stop living in the world. We ought not stop living in the world, but we ought ought to stop worrying about living in the world. We do not owe the world one more second of worry. You don't owe that to the world at all. You don't owe it to anybody, and you don't owe it to God. God doesn't ever call us to be anxious. Hey, be anxious for your salvation. No, he says, be secure. It's all about security. It's all about trust. This stuff, worry, anxiety, has nothing to do with what God has called us to do in his will. But thankfully, it is no match for the will of God. So what about us? Jesus calls us to do some tough stuff here. But I want to reiterate, we are not called to do it alone. Not just here with the church, but the Holy Spirit is the the preeminent vector of fixing issues like this. Good feelings, nice words, comforting meals, warm embraces. These are nice. But if that's what you're relying on to keep your anxiety at bay, those will cease to be. They will cease to be. Worry will find its way back in in a moment when all the warm embraces are gone for the day. And you're sitting at home by yourself... And a commercial comes on about, you know, something or another. Oh, yeah, that's right. Oh, now I'm worried again. Why? Because I really don't know what to do with the worry. I just tried to drown it in fellowship. I tried to drown it in hanging out at church. I spent all my time there. I want to do things that will be out of this house, out away from the temptation. We're not going to be able to pull that off. Trusting in God for all things, meaning knowing God will provide all things. The comfort you need when you need it, the things of this world to maintain your provision, what is required for you to fulfill God's will, will be provided. Don't take my word for it. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. That doesn't say, in whatever you want, will be given to you. It's these things. And the things that Christ mentions are things that we need to survive. Maybe some things that we would want, a couple of those, clothing or what have you, that's okay. But they'll be added to you. If you're seeking the kingdom of God and righteousness, then these sorts of things, the things that you want, will slowly start to change into the thing God wants for you. And you start to really see and believe. And you can now put your fingers on things like this. The Lord's provision is adequate It's better than I deserve, it turns out. Tattered clothing, low-paying job, difficult managers. Better than I deserve. These are opportunities to share the good news in this space. What a blessing. What grace to me and others. Now, that might sound strange to you, but I honestly believe it. Our times of study here are to allow the Holy Spirit to reinforce that truth to us. What I'm saying to you today, my words no power. God's words unbelievable power. Combine God's word with the Holy Spirit, watch out. You want to watch the world change? That's how it's going to get done. Not by our well wishes and self-help, but by letting the Holy Spirit do what the Holy Spirit does. So, tired of being tired? If you're tired of worrying, I've got good news. You you don't have to do that anymore. There is a God who came to this earth, lived a perfect life without sin. Despite that, went to the cross, bore the wrath of God for all of our sin, including worry. That is great news. It's done. It's finished. It's all been taken care of. If you want a church family to help you through this journey of life, I've got good news. (laughs) We're a church family that can help you through this journey of life. I say journey of life not in some Uh, fluffy term here, but life is a journey. It's going to be a day at a time. And uh, we're doing that together as best we can. Not perfectly. We don't have any secret sauce here. Everything that we've got that's worth knowing is in the Word of God. You can uh, read it for yourself. But we're really doubling down as a church on taking that truth and making it the truth. If you're hearing this, it's grace. It's not too late to let that worry go. If you don't know who Jesus is, you don't want a church family, but you're just sick and tired of being worried, You do need Jesus Christ to be rid of worry. The world's not going to relent. The world's never going to give you a good reason not to be worried. There's always going to be another thing. Because there's nothing in the world that lasts forever. There's nothing in the world worth trusting in. Everything in the world will let you down. But you can contrast that with what Jesus has done. And that is everything required. There's nothing required of us. There's no specific work to be performed. There's no way to earn the love of Christ, the freedom of salvation, it is, it is finished, just as he said on that cross. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are thankful for today, thankful for these passages, calling us to repent of something like anxiety. When you say, don't do it, Lord, that's the fundamental part of repentance. It's not just being sorry. It's stopping. It's changing course. So, Lord, if we find ourselves mired down in anxiety or worry, it's something that we cling to, it's something we feel like we've become an expert at. Lord, I pray that we will repent of that today. We'll understand that there's just no sense in it. Things are going to come up they are going to try to make us want to worry, Lord, but when those times come, Lord, draw us back into your word, draw us into times of prayer, times of fellowship where we could add additional times of prayer to, to remind each other of the truth of Scripture that you have taken care of everything. You are a sovereign God. Nothing's going to get by you. You're never going to be caught unawares, shuffling papers, trying to figure out which, what just happened to who? Oh my gosh, I can't believe it. Hold on, let me... None of that's going to happen, Lord. You are absolutely in 100% total control. Lord, help us to surrender. Surrender that control, that sovereignty to you and stop trying to claim it back for ourselves and, and waste our time worrying about it. Thank you for this... Uh, Church family, Lord, I pray that you will strengthen us in your name uh, to do great works for you in this city. Thank you for this time together, in your sons. I might pray. Amen.